Yeah. Still not millionaires. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow, I, I I was like picturing him like going in like his like home studio or something, singing to like a mic like this. Oh no, nah, he was. Just I've never like heard this. of that before. He was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Was that like weird to mix in with your vocals? No, it, it works out really well because the way his his voice is, it almost came across like a sample, even though it wasn't. It was like the way his kind of punks like scat kind of vocal like it came across like mm -hmm. this cool hip-hop sample but that was him <laughs> dude that's rad so whenever you were starting out islander uh what were you like picturing it to be were you picturing to go as far as you guys have or were you kind of like just wanting to have fun and play like some local shows i think both i think that i i knew i wanted it to be bigger than you know just a local band but at the time, it was just about, you know, having fun and taking the music we were writing in the basement to our local bars and clubs and whatnot and, and playing. And um, we ended up getting in touch with different uh, A&Rs at labels and we got our first record deal and the rest is history. We went on tour with Corn and Papa Roach and P.O.D. and... All, all these different bands do baby metal yellow wolf stone sour i mean the list keeps going we, we've done so much that i'm just like dude like we didn't even mean for this to i don't know we just did what we loved and it happened so that's so rad and you've those are some big names that you just named yeah, off like they're huge what was the first one um, the first big tour we ever did first mainstream was mayhem festival so that had like corn and avenge sevenfold and I was shaving. I remember I was shaving and sharing like a bathroom every day because we didn't have green rooms or anything with uh, the dudes from Cannibal Corpse because they were on tour with us too. So we were out touring with Cannibal Corpse and and whatever, dude. And then uh, I think after that, yeah, it was after that, Papa Roach took us on tour because Head from Corn had tweeted about us and Jacoby heard about us from from that tweet. And then he messaged me. I was at home washing dishes and he messaged me on Facebook and my laptop was open. And he's like, dude, like you guys want to come on tour with us? I was like, yeah, I was drying my hands off. And I, I'm like, yes, we want to come on tour with you. And we went on tour with Papa Roach and then corn took us out a few more times and yeah, still not millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> but dude, that's cool. Cause like, I don't know. I feel like when people picture that moment of like going on tour with a big band, yeah, they think it it's like this crazy process. Like, I mean, I, I've never gotten into music, but I kind of picture like Papa Roach or even Corn, like asking me to go on tour. It's like this like golden envelope that comes in and you open it, and it's just like you want to go on tour. But it was just like a DM, wasn't it? Dude, it was it was just a Facebook message. <laughs> it was. I still That's got wild. it. It was just a Facebook message from Jacoby. Yeah. Is he cool to be around? Because. Uh, he came on good company and he was a blast to be around. He's Dude. so full of energy. Yeah. I, I love Jacoby. He's one of my favorite people. Um, we're working on a song with him right now, actually um, talking about doing stuff like sending stuff back and forth to each other. That's what we're doing. We're he's got some, got some vocal equipment coming in pretty soon and we have a song that he's jumping on. So mm, yeah, dude, that's so rad. Yeah, Can you dude. tell us any more about it, or you got to keep it under wraps? Uh, there's not really much to say. It's just it's a cool song. It, uh, it's about rock and roll. Heck yeah! So, yeah, 
And you have you have a lot of songs that talk about like the industry and everything. Like I want sushi is about that too, right? Yeah, yeah. I want sushi is it's the idea of having a heart for what you do and not doing it for money or anything else. It's kind of like the starving artist, like kind of like aspect or motif or whatever it's called. It's um, the lyrics are. Uh, I'm not waiting for a blue check next to my name. I'm not into music for the money or the fame and uh, start saying, you know, rock and roll don't pay like it used to, but we're turning up even more than we used to. Money's tight. But my band is tight. You complain about your bus. We drive a van all night. Like, I don't know. It's just about how we do what we do because we love it. And we haven't made any money from it. Zero. I've made, I mean, if you look at how much I've put in, opposed to how much I've made, yeah, we're in the negatives. But <laughs> I, oh, <man. laughs> uh, I would, I would say, yeah, dude. Like, I think last year in ASCAP royalties, I made like four hundred and sixty-eight bucks, or something like that. But we yeah. we make more of our money from touring, so that's kind of what's hard for us right now because we can't tour, um, because COVID nineteen. <laughs> Absolutely, so. and you guys did a. Uh... You guys did a quarantine tour. I saw that. How was that? Yeah, we've 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 been doing those still. Like, um, what we're doing is we're just kind of having people jump in on Instagram or Facebook with us, and we'll talk to our fans. And I've been we have this segment where we kind of run it like a TV show. I I call it Slime Time, and mm-hmm. I slime an action figure of the crowd's choosing that night. So I'll give them two options, and I'll be like, "Who's getting slimed?" And we'll slime <laughs> them like an old Nickelodeon show. And slime then, time uh, live, baby. Yeah, slime time live, dude. And um, what else do we got? Uh, yeah, we just we've just been doing that with like some of our rock and roll buddies, people that are also stuck at home, and trying to let our fans know, be encouraged. You know, there's we're gonna get through this. So, mm-hmm. and you talked about going on tour. Um, what's been like your favorite experience on tours so far? Because you've been on quite a few. Yeah. Um, for me, I always tell people my favorite one so far is meeting Sting, the pro wrestler. Um, we became friends. We went on tour with Papa Roach, and we were in Dallas Tech. Or we were coming through Dallas, but I had emailed his manager. I'm such a big fan. I'm such a big fan. I had emailed his manager and basically just asked if he could get me an autograph. And he was like, I told him who I was and stuff. And he was like, hey, is it cool if I call you? I was like, yeah. So he called me. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll see if he wants to come hang out with you at a show. And he's like, when's what? the next time you're – yeah, he's like, when's the next time you're coming through Dallas? Literally, we were coming to Dallas like within two days. So he let Sting know. I wake up that morning. We're in Dallas. And he says, hey, he said, Sting got in touch with me. We're, he's coming to your show tonight. And Sting comes to our show and hangs out, gives me his phone number, gives me some of his ring gear. And yeah, dude. So he's actually the one that taught me how to paint my face and what paints to use and stuff. Dude, nice. So what's that made out of? Um, this paint is it's called Mehron. Uh that's the company. It's um he uses a different brand now. He used to use acrylic paints that weren't meant for your face. Um but mm-hmm. I get, I keep getting scared that I'm gonna sweat it into my eyes on stage. Oh but no. I was just heavily influenced by like wrestling growing up and I paint my face because I was like, if I liked all the wrestlers that had paint on their face, why don't I bring that into music and put paint on my face? 
and maybe someone will connect with it. I don't know, but that's why I do it. So, I think it looks dope. Was that the most starstruck you've ever been when you met Sting? Oh, dude. When he left that night, I cried. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I cried. Because it was a dream come true. Yeah, it was a dream come true. And, and uh, now we're friends. And he called me twice last week. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, dude. That's awesome. So you yeah. weren't that starstruck when you met, like, Jacoby or Korn? I thought it was cool. But mm-hmm. because we're in the same industry and have the same career, like, I, I kind of felt like we were peers. Mm-hmm. And I know that's weird. Like, I, I still look up to them, and I'm so thankful. And I always tell Corn, the Corn I used to see on TRL when I was in high school and middle school, I don't feel like those are the same people I'm friends with. I can't set I – I don't know. It's like those were the rock stars. These are my friends. It's like I can't, I can't put it together in my head that they're the same people. That is wild. And they've, they've gone through a lot of, like, life journeys. Like, I mean, Corn yeah. like, got saved oh, and found totally. Christ. And, like, some other members did too, which is great. Yeah. But uh, was that – could you, like, feel that whenever you met them? Like, these guys have definitely, like, changed, like, through those transformations. Oh, dude, totally. It was – it's crazy. That's all they cared about. Like, when I first met Head and Fildy, they were going out after the shows every night, and they were telling people about Jesus and what he had done in their life. And before the tour ended, um, it was our first tour with them ever. And when the tour ended, I had my own bunk on Head and Fieldy's bus. So I was traveling with them at the end of the tour. Um, and we were just having Bible study and praying for the tour and everything. And I was like, this is crazy, dude. That's awesome. And and you're, you're a Christian too, I assume. Uh, did you yeah. grow up that way as well? I grew up in South Carolina. So I... I grew up around the Bible Belt, so everybody thinks they're Christian, and mm. in in South in the South or whatever. I, that's what I've kind of realized. They're like, "Are you American? You're a Christian." And I'm like, <laughs> "That's not the case." Like for me, I did grow up being taught about Jesus, and I grew up going to Sunday school and whatnot. But I didn't accept Christ until I guess I was nineteen, eighteen, or nineteen. Mm. So yeah, that didn't become real for me until later in life. So, Dude, that's awesome. And I know Islander isn't a Christian band, but do you guys right. ever use any influences like from your walk with Jesus or, or even uh, your religion to into your music? Yeah, I mean it's it's my worldview, so it's like it's mm-hmm. it's the thing I view the world through. But again, like you might have heard me say this before, you know, we look at ourselves like a restaurant. When you go to eat Italian food. You don't want Christian spaghetti and you don't want non-Christian spaghetti. You just want some good spaghetti. So we're just trying to make good spaghetti. That's what we tell everybody. And you guys do make good spaghetti. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, I like what, um, do you remember the controversy when Switchfoot announced that they weren't a Christian band? Do you remember that? Dude, I, I don't. I, I remember when mm. that happened to tons of bands. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like nobody can ever win with it. It's like, dude, I it's such a goofy conversation to me because it's like, I don't know. No, I get it. <laughs> well, like, when, yeah. so when, when Switchfoot um, said like, Hey, we're not a Christian band. Everybody's like, how dare you? Like you guys, like uh, I got saved at your concerts or whatever. And then I think they made a good point. They were like, CS Lewis never cl- came claimed to be a Christian author. Right. And, and it was, and that like made me think, I was like, you know, 
I don't I think it's almost better to call yourself like oh we're just a good band that happens to be Christians like I think that's yeah but even for us like not everybody in the band's a Christian so we're not even that like it's just (laughs) we're just some dudes and I happen to to have a faith in Jesus and I know what he's done for me and I want to share that but Again, we're just trying to make good spaghetti and set it down in front of you. We're not trying to tell you what the spaghetti, the spaghetti is. You know, once you taste it, you'll know if it's good or not. So mm. we just want people to taste it first. Yeah, totally. And uh, to go back to like you guys being on tour, uh, I, I love this story, and you guys have like a really funny way of telling it. But uh, whenever you guys got kicked off Warp Tour, Nathan told me to <laughs> bring that up. But uh, <laughs> so, what was that experience yeah. like? We we showed up we were doing warp tour for free. So they weren't paying us. And we agreed to that. Cause we were like, dude, it's the last warp tour ever. We just need to go do it and, and support it because we're, we're thankful for what Kevin Lyman and punk rock and everything has come. And, um, I dove into the drum kit at the end of the set and it was a backline kit that was rented by the, the, the company that owned the stage or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. I, we had our own drum kit there. They wouldn't let us use it, but I didn't do it in spite. I just did it because I was performing and I thought that would be cool to do at Warp Tour or whatever. And I uh, put a little dent in the kit. I'm not even, you can ask Nathan. There was a little dent and the stage manager, we talked about it afterwards and I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm going to pay for this. This is before he even came up and yelled at me or anything. He didn't do that. It was just like, I went up to him and was like, dude, I see that I'm going to put, I'm going to pay for that. And he's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, dude, we're all good. He said, I have to email Ernie Ball and just let him know about what happened because they rented the kid out. But he's like, we're totally fine. You're you're paying for it right now. And and we're good. There's there's no, no other issue than that. It's like, cool. He, he didn't think I was being a prick or whatever. And so um, about two hours later, Kevin Lyman called me and my manager into his office and he kicked us off the tour because of it. And. I think it was just blown out of proportion. I don't think he knew what was actually happening. And I think more than anything, it hurts that he didn't look more into it. Um, But it was just a misunderstanding, dude. I don't have any hard feelings at him or anything. It was just – it is lame, though. And then it it got us more pressed, though, being kicked off the tour because Head from Corn, he actually started uh, tweeting at Warp Tour, and he was just like – dude, like how nerdy is this that you kick this band off a tour for being punk or whatever. He was like, I know these guys' hearts. You know, we've toured with them several times. Mm-hmm. And then they got an argument on Twitter. So it helped us out because we started making main page at Billboard and Rolling Stone. <laughs> so. What were the re- other reactions like that you saw? Uh, Corey Taylor said something. I can't remember exactly what. And. Sonny from POD asked, when did Warp Tour become such pansies? Um, I don't know, just, just a bunch of garbage. Like, it was dumb. I remember Kevin tweeted something out like, why is the band sharing, you know, all this or something like on on Twitter? Like, we were resharing like Billboard and Rolling Stone and stuff. And it wasn't about trying to stir up anything. It was just when you're a band like our size – and we're trying to get known by more people when billboard and rolling stone are talking about your band, you share it no matter what it is. You share it because you you're like, dude, this is sick. We're making like 
Real <laughs> magazine headlines. Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> were they saying, like, how dare Warp Tour, or were they just kind of unbiased? Like, they were unbiased. They were, what just, happened? they were just saying, Head is arguing with Kevin, and here it is. And then they'd be like, Kevin has responded. Now Head has responded. And I'm just, like, watching it all happen. I'm just sitting over here with popcorn, like, <laughs> you know, we're not even, like, saying anything except sorry. <laughs> like, Man, so. and how how many days did you tour on on a warp tour before that happened? It was the first day. Oh my god! <laughs> oh no! Yeah, yeah, it was the first day. We were supposed to be on it for like two weeks, and we got the old boot the first day. I I had never actually been to a warp tour before because growing up, really, I was always scared that my favorite bands were going to play at the same time as each other, and then it would be a waste of money. And mm-hmm. so I just never gone. My whole warp tour experience was literally me being there for five hours. We were there for five hours and got kicked out. So oh for God. me, I felt like we had gone and played some cheesy church show where they were just like, like too like stuck up and obnoxious. It felt like playing a church show where they're like, you dented the pew, get out of here. <laughs> like, it didn't feel punk at all. <laughs> yeah. That's so surprising. Like it's lame. I feel like dude. you would have to, I feel like you would have to burn down Warp Tour for them to be like, "Yeah, you guys can't play here anymore." That's what I'm saying. Like it was, <laughs> it was just so not a big deal. That's why I still to this day believe when it got to Kevin, he thought we had burnt the stage down. Like <laughs> this band went crazy. It was like, dude, like if <laughs> if you see how lame it didn't even look cool. I just like flipped into the drum kit. Like it, it was just lame on everybody's part. And then it made the news and it. It was so unnecessary. Did you at least draw a decent crowd when you when you were playing? Oh yeah, it was dope, dude. I was stage diving and climbing the the speakers and everything. <laughs> well, okay, that's good. I was gonna say if like three people were watching you, no. I don't know how cool this story would have been. <laughs> no, it was wicked, dude. I was I was diving in the crowd and there were, there were uh, little beach balls flying around and all you know the whole warp tour thing. <laughs> dude, that's cool. Have you ever played in front of a crowd that like wasn't vibing with you and you were like, yeah, I can't stage dive? I still stage dive, even if they're not vibing, <laughs> dude. That gives me even more like, yo, wake up. Like, I remember we played with – I was just talking about this actually. I didn't, I didn't give this story, but I was talking about the show with that other uh, interview I just did before this one. This is a different story though. We played a show one time with uh, Rob Zombie in a sold-out arena – I think it was in Iowa. Don't don't quote me on that, but I think it was in Iowa. But it was our first time ever playing in an arena, and it was sold out, and the only people on the show were us and Rob Zombie. And there was, like, some DJ guy that opened. So it was, like, the DJ guy, Rob Zombie. I mean, DJ guy, Islander, Rob Zombie. Well, it didn't matter. (laughs) Dude, it didn't matter who – it didn't matter who was going to be playing, like, before Rob, like – the crowd was there. They're all sitting there with their House of a Thousand Corpses shirts on and stuff. They're just like Rob Zombie fans. They're like waiting. There was nothing I could do that was going to make them happy. And I remember this one kid set up front going like this, and he would go. Oh, my gosh. Yawning <laughs> and stuff. So, yeah, what? I went out. You know, I was out of the barricade grabbing everybody's hands, and I, I started – I did like a flip into the crowd and trying to get them going. And they were going a little bit, but still – you could just tell they were like, 
please, please just let Rob come out here. It didn't matter what I did. <laughs> like, I get it, though. I think, do you really think people show up there and they think as soon as they show up, Rob, Rob's going to come out? No, I think, I think they know, but they're just like waiting. They're just kind of like, there's certain bands you can't open for and be like, for instance, like we're up there, like we have rap elements or, or whatever pop elements. And all of a sudden it's like, dude, you don't, you guys don't, it don't matter how many, how many stage dives or flips I can do on stage. Like, we're not, we're not horror movie enough for you guys. Mm. So, I don't know. Yeah, no offense, but you guys didn't make the new Halloween remake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, what do you think is like the key to like you know, good like stage presence and everything? Because like some people have it, and some people just like don't like no you matter how much they want it. You can't teach it, and that's the key. I sound so conceited saying this, but I mean it. And I'm going to bring up wrestling again because I feel like wrestling, being the entertainment industry it is, has so many analogies for rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, in wrestling, there's something called the it factor. And it's something that you're born with. You can't teach it and you can't explain it. It's just the it factor. Hulk Hogan has it. Ric Flair has it. Sting has it. All these people have it. But if you look at somebody like Hulk Hogan, there's people that can do flips dive off the top rope, go all over the ring, do things Hulk Hogan can't do. Hulk Hogan can walk down an aisle and it is more entertaining than anything they can do with their body. And you have to ask yourself, what is it that makes that possible? There's some kind of incense presence that comes off of you when you're a good entertainer opposed to just a good performer. I don't know how to explain it, but an entertainer can entertain even if it's not performing and I feel like when you see Hulk Hogan or Undertaker, Undertaker walks to the ring at WrestleMania and it's better than any of the matches. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's part of what makes a good performer. When you, you know, if you look at Bad Brains or The Chariot or, or whatever, good bands, good performances, there's always something about it. Even before they start, you feel this energy. And I don't know how to explain it. It's an energy. No, dude, that makes sense. And I've yeah. never seen you perform. Like, I've seen your music videos, but, like, I yeah. think you've got it, man. Like, I think you understand, like, what to do in front of the camera. You're not, like, shy. Like, uh, I can tell, like, you and Nathan are good friends and everything. And I think <laughs> yeah. it's a good segue into, like, I kind of want... So, I have Mikey's uh, Islander Band <laughs> music video casket here. And uh, I told Mikey before, remember a live DVD commentary that they used to do back in the day? So yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going to do now. <laughs> awesome. So this is Casket, and I'm going to I'm gonna let Mikey take it away. Just tell me about this, man. Tell me about the process of this video. Okay. Um, we filmed it on NASA's property, and <laughs> we didn't realize it was NASA's property until we were doing it. We saw a sign that was like, don't be here. It's property of NASA or whatever. So we shot this video. Um, we were on a tour where all of the members of the band at the time had left the band um, for whatever reason. So we came up with this cool idea to where since they were going to be leaving the band, we were like, how about we make a music video where it shows me burying their bodies? 
like they had passed away and make it kind of the sad, weird thing. So what you're seeing right here, like I'm carrying their bodies and digging holes on NASA's property and just, it looks like, you know, I, Maybe I killed him. Maybe I didn't. You don't know in the video. You're just seeing it and you're like, what is happening? Like he's carrying their bodies and there's this weird, like you see that, that was like a weird uh, Grim Reaper type demon character. My brother plays that character actually. And my brother's the keyboard player of the band now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was like all these guys, we were like, just play dead and we'll throw you in these pits. And it'll be symbolic of you leaving the band so that when it comes out, that'll be the way we announce that you left the band because we were all still cool with one another or else this couldn't have happened, obviously. <laughs> so yeah. So is this NASA's property right here? Yeah, this is all NASA's property. Oh my! Is gosh. the video kind of glitchy on your end? Um, a little bit. Every it, once in a not while. on my screen. Is it, okay, is it like, cool. uh, is the frame, it, are the frame skipping? Yeah, a little bit, but it's not a big deal. Um, but okay. if you look, when I throw JR in in a second, I'll throw JR, the one with the dreadlocks, into the pit. I remember, I remember we had dug so deep that we had dug into like this water, like there was like a little drain or whatever. So we, we threw him in water. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he was like, no, this sucks. So, so he's expecting to get dirty, not wet. <laughs> right. So he got dirty and wet. But poor guy. Yeah, they all play pretty good dead guys. Look at this. Yeah, they they look super dead. <laughs> <laughs> super dead. <laughs> and uh, playing it so well. At the end of the video, you'll see the end of the video in a little bit. But uh, before I get to the end of the video, this uh. The, the the holes, they were really, really difficult to dig. So my brother was having to dig them. And then he would hand me the shovel so it looked like in the video I was digging the holes. But really, my brother was out there, like, working. Yeah, digging a hole is like a skill. You can't just, like, start it, I guess. No, it's it's very difficult. <laughs> Look at this, dude. JR plays a really good dead guy. Yeah, he does. So slide his body in there. There he goes, dude. Cover up his face. And start burying him. That's such a good shot. Nathan did such a good job with this video. Oh, he killed it, man. Look at this. Dude, it looks crazy. How long did that take you? I think we were at NASA's property for a little less than an hour. And then... uh, did you? When did you guys figure it out it was NASA's property? When we were there. We were literally standing there. And we see a sign, and it said it was NASA's property, and no trespassing and all this. And all of a sudden, we see a helicopter fly over, and it just stops right above us, and then it takes off. Oh, my gosh. And right here at the end, that's my brother. That's his hands and everything. Dude, and he set me on fire. My brother set me on fire. So we, we, we tried to make it look kind of like this evil, creepy thing for I'm no reason. Nathan didn't set you on fire. No, he did. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Nathan set me on fire. Oh, I thought you said your brother did. I'm sorry. No, nah, Nathan set me on fire, and then that's my brother's hands and stuff. And then we have me all creepy. That's a cool effect. 
yeah Dude, that's that's so rad <laughs> and uh so how did you get in touch with nathan um i met him through a mutual friend named cindy um she knew him and she knew that we both were into pro wrestling and whatnot so she connected us just so we could talk about pro wrestling and nathan had come and seen us we had been on tour with like corn and we were at the tabernacle in atlanta and nathan was at the show before i ever knew him and it's funny, Scott Bowling was there too, and I didn't know any of these people. They're all just out in the crowd, Scott and now Bowling. I would have had them all backstage if I had known them. But yeah, was before you know somebody, you don't know them. So <laughs> yeah, so that's so cool. Did you know he was a filmmaker like when you met him? Yeah, yeah, I had heard about that, and mm-hmm. I thought that would be cool to maybe do some music videos and stuff with him. But I, I didn't know that we would be super tight. Now he's one of my favorite people. Oh yeah, Nathan so. is awesome. And uh, so what's your creative process with like, you know, combining a song with like visuals? Do you usually come up with those yourself or do you kind of like collaborate with Nathan on that or both. whoever you're filming with both? Both. Yeah. I, that's really the answer. Just both. Like I'll, I'll tell Nathan if I have an idea and then he'll, he'll kind of come back and be like, this would be cool. And we just do that. So. Dude, that's rad. And uh, how many albums have you guys put out so far? We have put out, uh, independent release EP, which there was only like a hundred copies ever printed. We put out an EP with Victory, and two albums with Victory. So two full lengths, two EPs. Now we're working on our new full length with a uh, Better Noise Records right now. Dude, nice. And uh, what's the process like with, you know, I feel like it's something you know every band once is like that record deal that one record deal that'll like set them set them off like what's the process of like signing with a record label is it super easy or is it like really convoluted both Both? it's uh (laughs) yeah it is it's really both it's um it's weird every deal's different so it's really all about the deal so when we first like got in touch with like a label they had us drive up and do a showcase and so we played to a room of people that they weren't – It was. it's not like you're playing to a crowd. You're playing to some people that are analyzing and judging whether or not they think you can make money. So it's not like you're playing a show where you can tell them to go nuts. You're just playing as though you're on Jimmy Fallon, and then they all leave the room. And they say, thanks for coming, and they leave, and then they talk about you. And you either get a contract or not. And then the second time, well, we've been signed several times to a bunch of different labels, but later on, the deal we're on now, they actually heard about an album that we had, were about to release. They purchased that album off of another label, and they have us adding some stuff to that album right now. So it's just weird, dude, we're going back and forth with lawyers and the label and whatever and just trying to you know, figure out what each person wants and getting all the contracts together. It seems like it should be a simple process, but it, it ends up being a lot more difficult than it should. So. And what's your, what would your advice be to people that are thinking about, like if they get that, that deal, what would your advice be? Just do it. Cause you love it. Like whether you're on a label or not, because that's going to make all the difference. There's bands now, you don't, you don't need record labels. And then there's bands that, you know, you work better with a record label and it's just really not focusing on whether or not you're going to get a record deal or if you have a record deal, but just doing whatever it is you're doing because you love it. Because if you're not doing it because you love it and you just want to make money, 
this isn't the industry to be in. Just go get a job because I haven't made any money and I'm still here because of my love for it and not some dream of being a rock star. I don't care to be a rock star. That's cool. Do you do anything else on the side, like while you do music? I sell action figures on the side. I, I, what? <laughs> I, that's what I do, man. I have a, it's called Time Machine Joy on Instagram, and mm-hmm. I sell stuff on there as well as like Facebook Marketplace or local vendors or whatever. I'll, I'll go out and I'll show them some toys I have and see what prices they want to give me for them. And that's how I make money when I'm at home or on the side or whatever. But I love action figures. I collect them. I play with them. I everything, dude. I just toys are my favorite thing outside of, I don't know. I like them because there's something physical that you can never own digitally. It's like an album. It's like owning records or collecting vinyl when you have vintage figures from the 70s, 80s, and 90s that were only printed so many times, you feel like you have a piece of history. So I like collecting that stuff and selling it, and yeah. That's rare. What's the rare? What would you say is the rarest toy you've come across? Um. And by the way, my what earlier was like me saying like that's awesome, not yeah, like yeah, what no, you're weird. That's good. <laughs> uh rarest um i had a pretty rare hulk hogan i sold for about 200 bucks that's um i had uh i'm trying to think um dude i'm blanking out (laughs) yeah i am I, i i usually know the answer to this stuff i i'm just i have a lot of like masters of the universe and Star Wars and some stuff like that. Vintage Power Rangers that are completely glossy and shiny and no, none of the stickers are off of them. And uh, I don't know, just tons of stuff, man. I, I can't think right now. I've got so many. That's cool. Do you yeah. like Amiibos? Do you know what those are? Amiibos are those things for like the Wii. I mean, the, not the Wii, the, uh, the Switch and stuff, right? Those little. Yeah, I kind of yeah. collect those. I've got a lot of them up here. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, I, I, I don't yeah. have one. I've never had one. Oh, sorry, dog. My dog's behind me and barked at me because I, I leaned back too far. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but I uh, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not super into those because they're not like a toy, like a figure. But I'm not like not into them either. It's just not something I, I care to collect or whatever. I, I like vintage. Like everything's vintage with me, like when it comes to like toys. Yeah, and what so what makes it like worth something? Is it does it have to be in the box for it to be like valuable? No, no, it can be. I mean, it makes it more val- valuable if it's in the box and unopened or whatever. But um, a lot of times, it can be. Let's say they released an action figure, and it had a color variant or something where you know for a fact they've they've even let you know like we've only released. 100 of these when we first started production so this became rare it can just be something as simple as a color variant or something as simple as uh um maybe like some of the old ninja turtles the ones that are worth more are the ones that have the soft heads opposed to the hard heads so it's just you like little things like that to look for makes a figure more more valuable or not 
That's so cool. Have any of your toys made it into your music videos? Yes, actually. Um, yeah. If you look at the music video for Bad Guy, um, I had a Sting and I think a Ric Flair or something. I think I had it in the video in the background um, in the room that we were in. I, I threw little props in there. Nice. I'm going to so, pull it up. Heck yeah. I don't remember. I think it's somewhere in the beginning. I think it just shows it like, let's see. Am I too far? E, no, I don't think so. Um, I haven't seen this in so long. Yeah, maybe too far. Too far? Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, no, go forward. That's about where we were. Yeah. Let's see. This is the content you guys signed up for, me skimming through a music video. <laughs> no, this is for action figures. You're going to see some yeah, of my man. personal action figures. You'll see them in a second, dude. It'll show them. I think I saw it. It's in that room, isn't it? They're in the room, but it shows like a close-up somewhere. It'll show like a little... Maybe when he gets back to his room. So while we're waiting, Mikey... Uh, there we the... Oh, there it is. That's it. Sting, man. Sting and Ric Flair, dude. <laughs> hey, that's my personal that's collection awesome. right there, dude. I have I have those in my man cave right now. Really? Yeah. How old are they? Those, oh man, ninety. I want to say those are from ninety one. I, I might be wrong, but th those aren't crazy value. I used to have. I sold a Sting figure that I had in the box. That was that same figure, but it was still unopened. It came with a belt and everything. It was in pristine condition basically i sold that one for 50 bucks nice bought it for 20 so yeah you can make a little money here and there with some some plastic plastic magic dude that's so rad so um i'd like to talk to you about the creative process of like making music like we talked about your inspirations and like you know you guys going on tour but like what does it look like from you writing a song to going into the studio and recording it Dude, usually I'm still writing lyrics in the vocal booth. Like I'll be standing in the vocal booth and I'll be trying stuff and I'll be like, that sounds cool. And the guys will be like, yeah, it sounds cool. The next thing you know, that's that's the song. So studio scares me. It's like being put under a microscope. I'm more of a live music guy. Mm -hmm. I like the raw mistakes of it all or whatever. I don't like mistakes, but you know what I mean? Like just the raw passion and the grittiness of it. But um, yeah, like for us just coming up with the music is it stresses me out honestly because it's like i'm having to pour my heart out into this thing and by the time i'm done doing it, i feel very drained but when i'm on stage i feel like i'm sharing this with people and they're they're reciprocating and i feel like we're all energizing each other so yeah dude that's so cool it seems like you're you're more into and I could be wrong. Are you more into performing than you are actually like recording the songs? Way more. I, really? I'm not a huge fan of the studio. I've had to try to be more lately, especially with like all the staying inside coronavirus kind of stuff. I've been trying to write and you know focus on that. But I'm I'm a live music guy. I love being on stage. I love it. I love being on tour. Dude, that's that's rad. Cause like, <laughs> I I used to be a theater kid. And I hated like the practices, like all that stuff. Yeah. I was like, can we just get to the part where I get to be on stage and make people yeah. laugh? <laughs> yeah, dude. That's the best part. 
Yeah, so I imagine like you're so hype in like the green room or whatever before you go out. No, super calm. Super calm? I'm scared. I'm scared of being on stage, but I'm obsessed with it. Interesting. I don't know how to explain it, but before before I go on stage, I'm super calm. Usually I like to be by myself. So I get nervous about what I might do to my body on stage. <laughs> do you like, have any like pre-show ritual that, that you do before you go on? Yeah, we all uh, – we all huddle up together in a circle and we put our hand in and we say, Hey, yo. And then we scream, let's take them to space mountain. We do that together and you'll feel this electric shock run through your body. Like we are about to get on space mountain with this crowd on this freaking Disney ride of a band. We are, and they are going to not know what hit them. And that's, that's who we are. Why, why Space Mountain? Is that like your favorite ride? Yeah, it's my favorite in Disneyland, but there's just something about, I don't know, Space Mountain just seems crazy. So <laughs> like, it's it's a dark roller coaster that goes really fast, high speed, and and you can't see where you're going. And I feel like <laughs> that's what music is. So Space Mountain, like, and we love Space Mountain as a band. Like, well, anytime we go to Disneyland, we'll all jump on that together and and ride it. So space mountain kind of became our thing to scream nice i've been to disneyland i haven't been to, or i mean i've been to disney world i haven't been to disneyland okay i love them both very much um i like disney world a little more but but disneyland has better versions of a few of the rides really which ones pirates of the caribbean's better at disneyland it has two drops before you even get to the part of the ride like the main part of the ride uh, and it's a lot longer and it has real skulls and stuff in it, which I can talk to you about that later if you want. Whoa. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. and space mountain is updated at Disneyland and it's, you sit next to somebody instead of in a little, uh, car by yourself. So you sit next to somebody, it has speakers next to your ears, blaring music and it's faster, smoother, and they keep it sh- extremely cold. So you feel like you're in outer space, just zooming through a cold outer space. Dude, it's, it's awesome. Dude, that's awesome. I've been to Disney World, I think, three times, and I haven't been since I was like 16. But I remember loving that place, man. Like, it brought Dude. me so much joy when I was a There's kid. I was like, I'd probably better. enjoy it now if I went. There's <laughs> nothing better on the planet Earth than Disney World <laughs> that I have discovered <laughs> as far as a place to go. So would the best day of your life be performing at Disney World? <sighs> no, I'll tell you. I'll, okay, I, I want to. And I, I know that our, our old tour manager, he used to work with a bunch of different bands. And he said one time Skillet got to perform in front of the castle. And they had their own pyro show and stuff. And Disney was like, no, you can't use that. They said, we'll let you use our pyro. So they let skillet use disney's pyro while they're playing in front of the castle if i ever did that everybody's gonna witness me on stage in tears just ugly crying <laughs> like ugly crying like, dude i i swear i want to play i do want to play disney world but i would also feel very much like yo you guys have to make make me make a free day for the next day where i can go and like spend time there instead of being like i'm at disney world and i can't go ride a ride Dude, you guys so, should film a music video there while <laughs> while you're performing too. Wow, you know we could cool. like we on could a roller coaster. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Good idea. We'll do it. 
You got to do it on Space Mountain. That would be super rad. Well, then you couldn't see it. It's in the dark. <laughs> we can light it up. I'm sure. We can. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of those rides that I would be terrified if I saw like the lights turn on. Oh, dude! Like, I've watched. You just see everything. I've watched the lights turn on it before on like line. And I actually don't want to ride it with the lights on just because I don't I like for things to be what people are actually trying to present. I don't care about the mm. the inner workings. I'm just like, well, what is the finished product here? Let me see what you're presenting to me. So I want to always ride it the way that Walt Disney World intends. Yeah, totally. But uh, so to go back to you guys about Islander and everything. So. You're not. You love performing. You're not a huge fan of the studio part. So, like, how does like inspiration like hit you for like lyrics whenever you're writing them, or whenever you're in the studio? Since you said like while you're recording your vocals, sometimes you'd be like, "I'm gonna change that," or yeah. uh, "Now let's let's flip these lyrics around." Usually, that's just from being very passionate about a certain topic or mm-hmm. what I'm saying in a song. Like, I'm Hispanic, so I think that goes a little bit into it. We're very passionate people, so I think that mixed with making art you almost get too attached and sensitive i'm super sensitive and fieldy from corn used to always tell me he was like you singers are so sensitive he was like you guys are crying and writing words and i'm just like give me my instrument and i'm like yeah i've i can see that lead singers are always the one in the band that are on the verge of crying all the time (laughs) do you ever do you ever write anything of anything about being happy Oh, dude, all the time. Yeah. 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 I, what, we have say is like the, what was like the happiest time you were like writing a song? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the day that we find out that the album's done and I don't have to do it anymore. I, I hate I hate the pressure that I put on myself when we're doing an album, but it's intentional because I know that if I go to that place, I can come up with something creative. So... What's yeah. your dog's name? Um, this one is Charlie. I'm sorry. They keep jumping in here. <laughs> the, the people watching probably aren't sorry. And there's one laying across the couch named Lucas. He's eating a carrot, and he's so intense that I don't want to bother him, or I don't feel like he'll leave me alone. <laughs> so if he That's walks adorable. over here, cool. But, yeah. <clears throat> yeah man, I, I love that you um, – I love when artists talk about, like, making art for the sake of art, like, doing songs like, you know, I want sushi. And I'm sure you've like sung about that a couple other times. Yeah. Um, What do you think like sets people apart from doing it for the sake of art and doing it for the sake of money? I don't know what it is other than some creepy evil thing that makes people just want to do it for money. I don't know. But when I first fell in love with music, I, I never once thought, I wonder how much money I can make from this. Like, I would have just stayed in college and figured something out. I, For me, it was always about how can I share what's, what it is that other bands have done for me. Other bands pulled me out of crazy dark places in my life. So I was like, if it's that powerful, how can I be a part of that culture? And so I hope, I hope that Islanders done that for somebody. Yeah. Have you met any fans that have like said like, uh, your music really resonates with me. Thank you for making that. Yeah, dude, we we have m- literally gotten messages where people have said that they heard a certain song when they were planning to commit suicide, and that song helped them and spoke to them. And 
how can that not mean more than money? Like that is the most awesome thing that can happen when you're making music to hear somebody say like, Hey, like this is how much this impacted me. I'm not going to kill myself because you made me think maybe I'm going to be okay. So, man. And is that, can you recall a time that you were listening to a band or a song and you were like, you know what? Everything's going to be okay. Like maybe you're in your lowest low and music like really pulled you out of that. Dude, just, uh, okay. This one visited. Hold on. This one visited. So I'm going to show it to you. This <laughs> is the do. crazy guy. This, hold on. <laughs> This is Lucas. <laughs> Lucas is named after that kid in the wizard movie that has the power glove. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's this is him. So that movie um, is awesome. I love that movie. Um, I think growing up listening to POD did that, dude. Like seeing Sonny's heart for what it was that they were doing, and it wasn't even so much about the music. He cared more about our souls, and I I, I care about our fans' souls. In that same way. Sorry, my dog's over here. No, they're great, dude. Dog. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but yeah, see, seeing I think, I think POD man just their heart and soul put putting into that music, and I'm good friends with Sonny now and the POD guys, and being able to tell them you know where that impacted me in my life when I was in middle school and high school. I I, I think it's cool being able to do that for other people. Dude, that's so rad. Well, uh, we're nearing closer to the end of the show, and Mikey's actually going to close us out with a song. And, oh, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. And uh, so without further ado, Mikey Carvajal with I Want Sushi. Yeah, this is a different version of it. So if you've never heard us before, go check out the music video, which was actually directed by Nathan Mowry after this. Um, is Trevor still here? Yes, I, oh, like, okay. I like enlarged it. I didn't leave. <laughs> I was enlarging it. I was like, where did he go? But yeah, Nathan <laughs> Mowry shot the music video for this, and this is a way different version. Mm-hmm. Also, disclaimer, just so you know, Trevor, I don't know if you know this, mm-hmm. I'm not a guitar player. What? I actually don't know how to play guitar. I'm not even joking. Like, I actually I've, I have a few chords that I kind of know, and because of this whole quarantine mm-hmm. thing, I've been trying to come up with a way to play these songs for our fans. So nice. I'm actually, I'm not a guitar player. So Well, dude, that's cool. I'd love yeah. to see what you got then. <laughs> it ain't much. I'm trying to remember now how to play this song. Um, you want me to give you a minute? No, we're good. Let's kick it. Cool. I'm going to take everyone. these guys off, though. Can I take my headphones off? Uh, is that where your audio is coming from? Still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Then I'll roll like this. Nice. Okay. This is kinda I want sushi. I do really want sushi though. I've been in quarantine for a minute. All these rappers got money and lobster. Still throwing hats and shoes in the washer. Gucci price tags are goofy. If I had some money, I would buy me some sushi. All these rappers got money and lobster. Still throwing hats and shoes in the washer. Keep price tags and goofy. If I had some money, I would buy me some sushi. Not waiting for a blue check next to my name. My name. I'm not into music for the money or the fame. The money or the fame. You want that quick fix. Those magic party tricks. 
You've been waiting for a new sensation. They've been waiting for a new sensation. Rock and roll don't pay like it used to. Turning up even more than we used to. Money's tight, but my band is tight. You complaining about your bus, we drop a band all night. All these rappers got money eating lobster. Still throwing half the shoes in the washer. Gucci price tags are goofy. If I had some money, I would buy me some sushi. All these rappers got money eating lobster. Still throwing half the shoes in the washer. Gucci price tags are goofy. If I had some money, I would buy me some sushi. Rock and roll don't pay like it used to. Rock and roll don't pay like it used to. Rock and roll don't pay like it used to. Turning up even more than we used to. Rock and roll don't pay like it used to. Rock and roll don't pay like it used to. Turning up even more than we used to. Turning up even more than we used to. Yeah. Yeah, man. Dude, that was good for not being a guitarist. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I I don't know how to play guitar, but I definitely um I honestly I started trying to do some of that stuff because uh trying to plug back in here. Um I just I knew that if our guitar player is in Washington my brother, who's our keyword player, is in South Carolina, and I'm over here stuck in Indiana. The only way that we would be able to put my voice to something right now and do it live like this is if I tried. <laughs> I, I've been trying to doodle, and it's really raw, but again, it's got heart. So. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, you sound a, you sound a little muffled right now. Is your mic like? Oh, really? Yeah. Burp, 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 burp. How about now? Oh, that's good. I'll just keep it without the headphones. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But, uh, dude, cool. thank you so much for being on the show. Um, one last thing I wanted to ask, like, um, what would you, what's your advice to, like, musicians and, like, just any creatives right now, like, that are in quarantine? Like, what are what have you been doing to stay creative? Just do what it is that, you know, you're passionate about right now or find a new hobby that maybe you could be passionate about in um, – a way that you can not only share it with others, but because you can't be around people right now, do something that makes you stoked on life. And I'm not one of those people that sits around and goes, do what makes you happy, bro. Because I feel like that's like this new age weird thing, but genuinely find something that, that is good for you, that you enjoy and, and focus on it. And, um, and focus on how you can share that with other people when all this is over or through, uh, means like this, you know, and remember that just because we can't connect physically all the time right now because of the coronavirus, we can still connect, you know, emotionally or whatever through stuff like this. And, you know, it's uh, it, it definitely helps our mental state knowing that other people are still existing. <laughs> yeah, it's always like I, I've been texting a lot of my fan, friends and being like, hey, can we FaceTime tonight, please? Like, I need to see like your face. Yeah. Like I. I mean, I have five roommates, and it's nice, but I'm like, I need to see more people. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, if I didn't have my wife and my dogs here, I would be going crazy, bro. So anybody that's going through this completely alone, man, I, my heart has really gone out to them. Mm -hmm. so. And the people, like, I'm very blessed in my situation. Like, I live in a suburban neighborhood, so, like, if I get bored, I can go, like, take a walk around here or whatever. But I feel really bad for people that live, like, in 
um, like a like New York apartments where they have to go through like eighteen floors and there's not a lot of yeah like, ways to just get out. So yeah, like, if you're if you're going through that, like I'm, I don't know what to say. Like I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, that's that sucks, that's a man. huge bummer. Like I hope you're enjoying Netflix. I hope you're not an extroverted person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man. So. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to say? Like, when do, can we know when the album's coming out? Um, right now, we're still working on it, um, and that's all stuff that's up to the record label. But we have a a single that's out right now that we just did. It's a cover of REM's "It's the End of the World as We Know It," and I feel fine. And mm-hmm. um, we've been asking people to share with us and let us know in a in Facebook messages or Instagram DMs, just let us know what it is that's been making you feel fine in times like this, because these these are rough moments and we just want people to know that it is going to be better. And it's, it's crazy, man. Like my aunt passed away and we're actually the the song that we're, um, that we're promoting right now, the cover. Um, we, We don't usually do covers, but we just felt like this one was just the perfect moment in time for that specific message. And, it was cool because we got REM's approval and their blessing to do it. And then REM tweeted about us doing it. And we were like, dude, this is wow. crazy. That's so sick. And we um, were giving all the proceeds for that song, every single one of the proceeds to a charity. Um, it's the NYC Low Income Artist and Freelancer Relief Fund. And in my aunt's name, uh, her name was Loling. We call her Tia Loling. She's our aunt. We're Spanish. So Tia is the word for aunt. And, um, yeah, she passed away in New York City. That was her community and her people. And uh, we wanted to do something in her name for those people that are struggling out there doing the jobs that we're doing, artists and freelancers. So we wanted to support them and give back. And, yeah, we know it sucks, but we're trying to make lemonade out of lemons over here. Dude, that's so great. And do you feel like losing your aunt really put into perspective of this situation? Like, It did. Mm-hmm. And this is this is going to sound so goofy, but I know and I hope somebody else can relate to what I'm about to say. It, it I it put it most in perspective when I found out the NBA and everything was getting canceled because that was when I was kind of like, all right, this is huge. Like, and then my aunt passed away shortly after that, so I already kind of had a perspective just because of seeing what what happened with WrestleMania, not having any fans there, NBA being canceled just everything that was kind of going on in the world put, put, you know, put on pause. And I, I'd already kind of known, but yeah, it definitely hit way closer to home because it hit close to home. So, man, dude, I, I I'm really sorry for your loss. Like, thanks. That, that was, that was really rough. I bet that was really rough. Cause I've not known anybody that like around me that has had the, uh, the, the c word because i don't think i'm allowed to say it on youtube and twitch oh but, uh, i'm sorry i said it i said it no I'm dude sorry. it's all good i'm just gonna reduce the amount of times we say it but, yeah, um, but yeah like i can't i can't imagine like a family member or because like both my grandmothers they're in the hospital right now and we're not allowed to like visit them at all like it's so weird yeah we, and, we weren't allowed to visit we don't know what happened to her body we we had to have a funeral a memorial on zoom um oh my gosh so that that's crazy like that whole thing that's i think that's what a lot of people don't think about like everything funerals and everything are different right now so mm-hmm. 
That's that's so rough, dude. Well, I also don't want to end on a bummer, <laughs> but uh, like, uh, what else can you tell us about this album coming out, dude? It's filled up with the same passion and heart we've always had. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of love, lots of honesty, and super duper heavy, and also super duper beautiful. So, mm-hmm. one of my favorite uh, bands is my band. I think that's the way it's supposed to be, or else why are you doing it? So. I hope people check it out. Yeah, man. And uh, so where can, where can everybody find all your stuff, Mikey? Is it on um, Spotify, on, Apple Music? Yeah, everything? we're on everything that you kids are on these days. We're there. <laughs> no, we're on Instagram, yeah. at Islander, Facebook. We just got a TikTok. We're on Spotify, oh. Apple Music. We're in stores. We're all that, all that stuff. You can't go to stores right now, though, so don't. <laughs> Yeah, go to the Apple store if anywhere. Yeah. Get their music. The only store you should be going to. Well, Mikey, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you, everybody, for watching. Hope you guys have a blessed day. I'll see you later. Thanks for having me, bro. Peace, everybody. It didn't feel punk at all. (laughs) 